0: head to com slash merch. Every purchase helps
1: us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit com slash merch
0: today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It is hard to believe that we have been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011.
1: So many great conversations over the years about so many great
0: movies. And some stinkers.
1: Well, true. But you know, producing this show week after week requires a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered.
0: Just visit the slash originals. Your purchase is made through our links. Give us a small commission at no extra cost to you, and allow us to keep having these great discussions.
1: In Season 3, we covered even more great adaptations, like The Night of the Hunter, and It Happened One Night, both part of our Couples on the Run series.
0: We talked about No Country for Old Men, the Coen brothers so rarely adapt someone else's work. We had some fun rom-com
1: adaptations like About a Boy, based on the Nick Hornby novel, and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, adapted from Rachel Cohn and David Levithan's book.
0: In our terribly and naively named foreign language series, we discussed the brilliant City of God and the Diving Bell and the Butterfly, which I won't ever be able to watch again, ever. But could you read the original memoir? I don't know. Maybe.
1: We had our Richard Dysart series with adaptations like The Day of the Locust and Being There.
0: Plus, we had that fantastic interview with the man himself.
1: <laughs> the one where we had him sit on the floor. Because his chair was so squeaky. <laughs> Good times. We did our first Tom Hanks series with Forrest Gump, adapted from Winston Groom's novel. Plus, Apollo 13, based on Lost Moon by Jim Lovell.
0: And we did another year series looking at films from 1981, including Das Boot, Gallipoli, and Thief all based on books.
1: Listeners can dive deeper into all of these original stories and more at the slash originals. Every book, play, movie, video game, video game. <laughs> you bet. We have talked about some video game adaptations as well. It doesn't matter the source. Just follow the link. Every purchase supports the
0: podcast. Check out the full list at the slash originals and get reading, watching, performing, or playing today.
1: I approached my wife with a new idea for our new
0: pet. <laughs> I can't wait to see where this goes. Jackrabbit. <laughs> no. no. Shrew. A shrew.
1: <laughs> and then I would tame it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a shrew. <laughs>
0: Dra- uh, k- uh, kimono dragon. Kimono, komodo, 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 kimono dragon. The kimono It's a very dainty sort of silky dragon (laughs) with a sash. (laughs) Always wears a sash.
1: A a, a lovely floral pattern. Hif. I wanted I you know, talking about the movie tonight, I came became
0: obsessed with giant insects. (laughs) Oh, that was that awful thing you sent me. You're a horrible man.
1: I told her, hey honey, what if what if I wanted a new pet and I wanted to get a Malaysian jungle nymph?
0: What do you think? <laughs> and she said, "We don't have mythical creatures in our home." Get the said, hammer and the blacklight, right, and go Harry Potter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, get the blacklight. Go blacklight. Go some kill scorp- some scorpions. <sighs> I was uh, I was hoping you were going to say that you were going to get a, a like one of the Amazonian uh, millipedes that live for thirty
1: years. Right. <laughs> that would be the giant african millipede yeah yeah that one yeah
0: Liz for that and it just it eats dogs that's its yeah, the female is around 9 inches long yeah right right eats dogs and children We are, uh, we are The Next Reel. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us and, uh, and uh, listening to us uh, jaw about movies. We appreciate it when you join the conversation. So you head over to TheNextReel.com. You make sure you're subscribed to the show. To do that, you do that for free over in iTunes or Stitcher Smart Radio or any place where their uh, fine podcast uh, uh, meals are served. Then you head over to Facebook or Google+, Plus and you can join us in the conversation there, uh, Facebook.com slash real google plus or google.com slash plus the next real podcast uh and we're also on twitter at the next real uh and uh so uh, what else did i miss Oh, I missed a lot. I missed a lot. Yeah, I like. missed a okay. lot. <laughs> uh, we, we're, You know, you should check out the Pinterest board. You should check out uh, Andy Post's the uh, movie posters. Great artwork from all the films that we've talked about. Uh, we also have, and this is, this is again, this is moving up in the ranks of more, most important things. The second most important thing you could possibly know about the show, the Instagram Guess the Movie Hashtag Pony Prize uh, photo contest that Andy uh, runs every week. Andy, tell the good people where we stand.
1: It's been a tough week for people. I don't know if it's just been busy and people haven't had a chance to look or... So it was not guessed, is what you're saying? It was not guessed. Does that mean you give it
0: up now? Like it's... I don't think I
1: should. I don't think I should. I mean, I guess I have to, but uh, maybe I'll just leave it hanging out there until someone decides to guess it. I'll start something new tomorrow, but...
0: You know, it's just going to get buried. I think you got to tell the people. What was it?
1: I think you should tell the people. I'll just tell the people, and we'll call it a loss. Yeah. It, you know, I, it was a tie into our new series, which is foreign language uh, films, and also the fact that uh, the amazing Max von Sydow is in Intacto, the movie we're talking about tonight. I went all the way back to the uh, classic Ingmar Bergman film, The Seventh Seal. And yes, there were some obscure images in there, but I was thinking that the last few would be pretty obvious. You know, you have got the image of Death dancing with all the people across the hilltop, and then the last image I posted today was was uh, Max von Sydow's character playing chess with Death, which you know is kind of an iconic film image. Alas, nobody seems to be uh, Ingmar Bergman fans <laughs> who is following
0: the Instagram <laughs> contest. I, what is that? so what does that mean you you enter uh you just so enter your own name in to the me, con- yes. <laughs> you yes. you beat the people that's right yes that's what this whole contest is it's it's andy versus the people <laughs> 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 hashtag andy versus name. that's great <laughs> uh excellent so i that is ongoing and so again june 7 2018 we're gonna have a drawing for some, by then, fantastic prizes.
1: And one of these days, we'll get something up on our website, kind of detailing this whole thing a yes. little more. <laughs> yes. Date <laughs> d- date may change. We've got subject we've got five to, years. to change. Yeah.
0: <laughs> fantastic. Um, what else did I miss?
1: Uh, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. You know uh, Letterboxd. We, we got our Letterboxed uh, account over there, yeah, and yeah. you know, if you want to know what movies we're going to be talking about. Follow us on Letterboxd. You can check out our watch list. Right now, we have all the films we're going to be talking about through the rest of the year. And then once we get our butts in gear and we get our list our, together for next year, we'll have all of those films in the watch list. So you can see all the films we're going to talk about next year.
0: Excellent. And uh, we should talk just very quickly about the—we the. Uh, the uh, we hope you will help us and participate in our review drawing contest revolution. Yes,
1: Absolutely. Well, Yeah, head on over to iTunes. Um, Between now and uh, the end of 2013, we are going to take everyone who goes to iTunes and leaves us a a review. We're going to take all of the people and put them into a hat and pick one. And that person gets to uh, pick a movie that we're going to talk about next year. That's awesome. Right now we have a wonderful comment from Moxie2005. Uh, she says, Andy and Peter, so much fun to listen to. I don't even care if I haven't seen the movie they're talking about. More than once, I've gotten strange looks on the street because I was laughing out loud while listening on my headphones. Maybe a Steve Martin series next year. <laughs> so there you uh, go. So right now, it uh, uh, looks like maybe Steve, we're doing Steve Martin. Steve if Martin, if we, excellent. Yeah, unless we get some more uh, reviews in there. But uh, hey, I love Steve Martin. That would be a lot of fun.
0: I do too. I think that would be a, a, a good one to add to the list. Absolutely. All right. Hey, let's talk trailers. Let's. Okay, I want you to go first because I actually, I'm, I, I think I may be more <laughs> excited for your trailer than mine.
1: <laughs> well, I'm very excited for my trailer. Um, I, I hope... I uh, I hope it's okay to be excited for my trailer. Uh, my trailer is the new Jason Reitman film that's that just premiered at Telluride earlier this year and uh, is now opening in January, which is why I'm a little nervous. Um, it's his new film called Labor Day with Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin. It looks like a really interesting film for him. It just doesn't seem the sort of film that he is normally doing. It, it's kind of a little more you know, drama with kind of this criminal element going on in it. Um, It's uh, Kate Winslet's a depressed single mom whose husband left her, and uh, her son ends up, uh, you know, meeting up with this escaped convict who's been wounded, played by Josh Brolin, who uh, basically needs a ride because he's being pursued by the cops, and, and this kid takes him home. And uh, with his mom and the, they kind of hide this guy and he and the mom fall for each other. And it looks like a really interesting relationship slash, you know, crime thriller. So, you know, coming from Jason Reitman, minus Diablo Cody, I'm very thrilled about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're renaming our trailer series sequ- uh, or our, 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 our film our- series, anything with Jason Reitman, Minus Diablo Cody. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's not just Jason Reitman. It's Jason Reitman minus Diablo minus Cody. Diablo Cody. Yep. I don't know. Does so that I'm, I'm a, very excited. I, I, I am too. This you know it looks really good. I um I you know why I'm one of the reasons I'm so excited about it is uh, it is uh, it, it's not a uh, a brooding Western for uh, what's his name.
1: For Josh Brolin.
0: For Josh Brolin, yeah. I feel like I got I I like have every time I see Josh Brolin, I immediately assume um, uh, the the film that uh, see him. Why why is my no memory going? No Country for Old Men. Josh Brolin, yeah. and uh, it is so refreshing to see him as uh, you know as not that guy.
1: Um, well, and you know, I mean, geez, Old Boy opens up next yeah. week, so that's definitely going to be a little uh, twist for him. I think right, certainly right right right. Is- and you know, the other character that I always think of that is so completely not Western Josh Brolin, and the other film you're probably thinking of is True Grit, which is also very Western Josh Brolin. But the also other and, non... and W. Well, that's that I think is the non <laughs> that's like the epitome of a non non-West, non Western <laughs> Josh Brolin. Yes, he's got the accent, but there's nothing Western about George W. Bush. I'm sorry. I don't care if he goes hunting for zebras on did, his property see, or did, whatever. Did you, he see does. The, uh,
0: did you see the the Will Farrell commercial? Of him, he was doing he was doing his W impression, but it was it was for like some uh, like on dot org or something, and it was <laughs> how scared he was of the horses. It was just take after take of him being oh, he's uh, oh, good. I'm gonna post it in the show notes. It's it's nice. that funny. All right, what were you saying?
1: No, I just I, I I love Josh Brolin. He's great.
0: He's a Goonie. Come on, that's crazy, right? I know, man, Goonie. Okay, my no, turn. I'm, yeah, your turn. Uh, i'm doing uh i'm doing some velvet morning some velvet morning uh this is a neil labute film uh neil labute we know uh neil labute he's done uh, in in the company of men your friends and neighbors um uh he's done some some uh tv uh he's he's just been around for a long time the wicker man um so that, what was that creepy one uh it wasn't that great uh that he just did with
1: uh Samuel L Jackson uh Lakeview Terrace.
0: Lakeview Terrace, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah that was, was I mean, 2008. That, that was
1: 2008. Yeah. It wasn't that great, but it was it it had his kind of you know, traditional, you know, there's just lots of interesting tension that he's be yeah. creating.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a yeah. there's like a touch to it. And this yeah. one is uh not that kind of film at all. This is a uh this stars Alice Eve as velvet and stanley tucci as fred i love some stanley tucci Mm -hmm. and uh and this is uh this is a film where stanley tucci uh leaves his uh it looks like leaves his spouse and comes to to uh hang out with velvet and uh, and and the whole film sort of takes place in their apartment, kind of uh, as they come together and break apart and come back together again. And it looks like a, a an interesting uh, minimalist kind of a character, uh, romantic character comedy drama.
1: Yeah, it really. I it, mean, it's just a two person movie. Yeah. It, it's it look it, at first I thought uh, I was wondering if this was based on one of uh, Neil Lebute's plays or yeah, something. Yeah, right. I, I I don't see anything about that. So. Uh...
0: And, yeah, so. and we should say like he he does absolutely come from or he has a, 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 a <laughs> he swings both ways stage and screen and mm-hmm. uh and certainly has uh has the chops of his uh from his uh, playwriting um uh, and and so i think it it has very much that that sentiment and um uh y- you know you look at uh, and i never i never saw it but i have i've read pieces of it the shape of things and that was that was a um a, a 2001 play with paul rudd and rachel wise and um uh, then they made uh the film again in two thousand and three again, which I did not see um right uh, but um but it it 's got that that sort of his take on a romance film vibe you know what i mean right um so i 'm really very interested in seeing it the trailer looks interesting i i uh i I love this side of alice eve frankly i 'm excited to see her uh, you know in in this sort of film uh not star trek
1: yeah she certainly does a lot of the genre sort of films men in black three the raven uh you know she's out of my league is you know kind of genre comedy i guess so so she's definitely uh in a lot of that stuff so it is interesting to see her kind of doing something that's just real Mm -hmm. hardcore just character drama
0: yeah 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 so i'm looking forward to this uh, it's yeah. also I think we should note it feels like a stretch to me for Stanley Tucci too uh, this is, this does not strike me as the kind of role that he would be cast in it strikes me as the kind of role that he would be cast in on stage uh, but it yeah, seems right. risky for him uh, to cast him in this film not that I don't think he'll be absolutely compelling to watch but he doesn't he doesn't naturally strike me as a leading man type to play against Alice Eve which makes me even more curious uh, to, to see the film and to see what their intention is with him So, all right.
1: Looks like this one's opening uh, both internet and uh, limited theatrical in mid-December
0: Excellent So yeah. we should all go see that And now, kicking off the first ever series, next real series on foreign language films a 2001 Spanish thriller film Intacto
1: You wanna play against me? You're no know, You don't know that. <laughs> it's the ultimate game of chance.
0: And the most extreme sport of all. <laughs> where winning is surviving. And nobody
1: survives forever. I taught you how to use that luck. Now you think you're luckier than me. Your gift I discovered. And your gift I take away. If you're ready, I think
0: it's time to play. Juan Carlos Fresnadillo. Mm-hmm. I don't actually... Uh, apart from how fantastic my accent is just then, I don't actually speak Spanish at all. <laughs> No. What? No. Let me tell you okay. why I... <laughs> 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 Qué ¿Dónde está la oficina de cambiar? Um, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> Shut it. Uh, So let me tell you where I discovered uh, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo uh, was uh, 28 Weeks Later. Right. And that is the only other thing I have seen of Juan Carlos Fresnadillo. Uh, I think he's
1: only made one other feature.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, what was that?
1: Intruders. Uh, 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 Yes. Yeah, the 2011 film with uh, uh, Clive Owen.
0: Oh, I do like that Clive Owen, but I didn't see that. That's the one with the... that. Oh, yes, it's the one with the creepy poster with Clive Owen with no mouth or eyes. Right. I haven't seen it either, but I just added it to my Netflix list. Excellent. Well, so I... You know, I, I think I'm on the record as being a gigantic fan of 28 Days Later. Yes. And so I was excited to see 28 Weeks Later. And uh, it, it. there are some sequences in the, in the film that were particularly memorable, uh, mm-hmm. but I... You know, I had not experienced uh, Juan Carlos, and so I, in terms of just the overall aesthetic of the film, I, I, well, let's just say I like 28 Days Later better. better. Yes. And so I went back and uh, and caught Intacto at the suggestion of another uh, friend of the show, and uh, man, what a crazy, challenging film to watch. It really is think about it
1: yeah, absolutely
0: uh so it's, this one you pu- you really want to put this one on the list i'm I'm a grateful follower of your in your tread, so why don't you why don't you talk a little bit about what you wh- first of all, I think it would be good to do a quick review of what the film is about
1: yeah this is because this is a, one of those films I'm not sure how many of our uh, listeners have seen, but it's a it's a fascinating film that basically is a story of a uh, uh four people who kind of come together in this world of uh this strange world where people basically can kind of, uh, where luck is something that you can end up taking from somebody. If you have, if your luck is, if you're luckier than they are, when you touch them, you can kind of absorb their luck. And so it's this interesting world where people kind of gamble and trade luck. And they they, they do all these interesting bets to try to win each other's uh, things and, and then other people's luck and everything. Um, and it all comes together, uh, builds to this climax of where there's this, this uh, Jew who had survived the concentration camps because of his luck. And he's kind of the, the top of the heap in this world of, you know, who's luckiest. He's like Magneto.
0: He's like
1: luck. Magneto, <laughs> except he's Max von Sydow. Right. <laughs> and and so you get this, uh, this bank robber, who's a, a lucky bank robber, and then you get this kind of fallen son who used to work for the Jew before he decided he wanted to strike out on his own. And basically, uh, Max von Sydow's character, uh, uh, what's his name? Sam, Samuel, yeah. takes his luck and leaves him luckless. And so now he has to basically... Get this this uh, bank robber who's who's the only survivor in a plane crash to uh, go and play these luck games with him to try to build his luck up so that he can go back and basically try to dethrone his his father figure is kind of what's going on there. And then meanwhile, they're being pursued by this uh, this woman police officer Sarah, who also is lucky in her own way, having survived a car accident and basically having unwittingly taken all of the luck from her husband and daughter in the accident, which is why she survived. Although she doesn't know that, but as she gets into this world in the pursuit of this bank robber, she kind of is tied into this whole mystery of this strange society of, of basically people kind of gambling and trading in luck. And that's, I guess kind of the long and the short of the the story.
0: Now, uh, just to clarify for me, because uh, I'm slower. Uh, so Max von Sydow's character, Sam Berg, uh, he's just super lucky, but he does not have. Does he have the gift to steal other people's luck, or is that only Federico? Oh
1: no, I think they all do. They all do. He, he gives Federico when Federico says, "I'm I'm leaving. I'm done here." That's that right at the beginning yeah, when he the g- elevator he stops on the floor and he goes up to him, him and and gives him that big hug which is such a fascinating moment because it's like this embrace which is supposed to be kind of a tender thing between but he's two stealing people
0: his luck but at in that time. this
1: yeah in this world of luck he's actually it's almost like he's attacking him and he's yeah. taking all of his luck away from him which is why his then his bodyguards
0: basically beat the crap beat out of him beat the crap out of him that's right that was that's uh okay all right i just wanted to make sure it i, I couldn't tell if federico was a a a disciple or if he had a specific Gift in the way he handles like because then the, the opening sequence which I love so much um you know you see federico he's been he's swimming laps and they they make this mention to the old man that you figure out is uh, you know shortly thereafter is sam berg uh, but but it's Federico that he is the he's the man in that it, they build it up as if he's the man right uh right. he's the guy and particularly this this really interesting sequences that as as a hench Federico and a henchman are walking toward the camera down this long concrete hallway and we should talk about the just the set of the casino in a minute it's it's fantastic um in this like bunker of a of a hallway and uh and the henchman is tying his tie for him mm-hmm and I, I couldn't figure out what is the symbolism of that? What is he trying to say by the fact that, it, like, that's is that a thing that you do as sort of a motion of deference to a superior peer? You tie another man's tie and then put it around your own neck and then put it on his neck so he can tighten it. I've, I've never done that for anybody. I've never had anybody do that for me. I'd like to know when it happens, what I should be expecting to follow. Oh,
1: that's, that's how I have my tie tied all the time. I have my manslave who comes in and ties it for me. All right. So it's
0: aspirational, <laughs> is what you're telling me.
1: <laughs> I really have no idea. It's it is kind of an interesting little thing because especially because um there's this whole thing about touch, and so it's interesting right. that he's he's able to get close to him to put this tie pre tied tie on him. But as long as they don't touch
0: skin, everybody avoids right, right, touching yeah. his skin. Right. Uh so I don't know. I just I you know, I think I've been thinking a lot about those little elements in this in this film because there is such a focus on touch. Um, I I think one of the real strengths of it in in terms of of what we are allowed to see is just that how the camera moves in and out of each of these these characters in their journey of luck Uh, Mm -hmm. through each of the major luck games. Um, we have, I think, a, a really unusual sense of touch because of where they put the camera and how close we are to faces and hands and fingertips and things. It it ends up being a a a, a really visceral or tactile experience that that I, I found myself exploring in watching this film again.
1: Yeah, it's it definitely uh, gets you right in there, um, and you know, working. I mean, jumping right into it, but working with the cinematographer that he. He worked with on this film, um, whose name is eluding me at the moment, but he's he's a very uh, prominent cinematographer who has ended up going on to do quite a lot of uh, large international films um, Javi Jimenez is his name. He did The Machinist. He did Trans-Siberian, Red Lights, Agora, um, you know, all English language films. So he's kind of crossed that line. I mean, you know, being able to uh, paint pretty pictures in the movies, definitely kind of you don't. Language isn't as much of a barrier. So once you see somebody who really knows how to uh, work the camera and and make beautiful images, I mean, people latch onto that. So he's definitely somebody that people have uh, been drawn to. And I think he worked really closely with uh, Juan Carlos uh, Fresnadillo in the making of this film to, you know, to tell the story. Like you were just saying, this is a story about touch and how and and luck and the good and the bad of luck. And you really do get a, a Close to a lot of people in this film, and and that sense of being, uh, you know, in in somebody's vicinity, I guess it just makes you feel you you can feel close to these people, and but you know, it's that that idea of the touch is such an interesting tactile thing that uh, they're kind of dancing around. They're you're close, but you're not close, you know.
0: Yes, yes, I, you know, I I got sidetracked because I I. um Uh, You mentioned, say his name again, cinematographer. Uh, Javi Jimenez. Javi Jimenez. See, that's confusing because it's an X for Javi and a G for Jimenez, and no (laughs) Js anywhere in there. Now, I know I'm an idiot with pronunciation, but this one seems like it's deliberately out to make me look dumb.
1: Uh, that's, that's how I think it's pronounced.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to go with you on this one because yeah. you're right more than I am. But I would like to say that he also did another film that I thought was particularly visceral, uh, The Machinist in 2004 with Christian Bale. Um, and, um, uh, you know, talk about an interesting visual style, um, you know, painting those, those pictures. It's a, a, another really fascinating take on on industry and, and sort of that bunker feel yeah. to it sort of claustrophobic i think he did a really excellent job there and and yeah. this one in, in in truth is it jumps back and forth i think in an interesting way so we go it, it, when you look at each of the games, right they they sort of grow in expanse, right they 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 expand and then contract to the very end. So we start out in this very sort of compressed space, uh, this bunker space. we move to this first game we're in a small room, uh, the bug room where you can talk about that in a second. and then we move out to um, you know a slightly larger space and then we move out into the woods and, mm-hmm. and and the woods end up being, uh, I think probably the most palpably um, you know interesting, Interestingly to me, uh, the most uh, palpably claustrophobic because of what they're doing in the woods. I mean, these the, the visuals here are, are incredible. They take these lucky people, these people who are moving up the ranks in terms of luck, and they blindfold them and... They have them follow a runner who is screaming they, they they tape their hands or tie their hands behind their backs, and then they have them follow a runner who's just running you know as fast as he can through the woods, saying, "Follow me, follow me, follow me," and then these blindfolded hand tied people are supposed to run through the woods as fast as they can without being able to see and count on their luck from mm-hmm. having them run into stuff and that uh remarkably i mean it's not it was not a horror sequence. It was not. It was not a graphically violent sequence, and yet I was tied in knots watching this yeah. happen.
1: That's what's really interesting about this film is the way that it plays uh, plays with your emotions. I mean, it, there are there are issues with it. I mean, I, I think there's some pacing issues with the film. There's some some story construction that can be a little confusing. It took me, you know, a couple sittings to really fully understand the story or a couple of viewings, I should say to, to make to really say, okay, I really understand everything that's going on now and how all these pieces are in place. Um, but then those scenes come up that uh, I think that they, the team here craft so expertly that do just, you know make you just so tense because you're watching these scenes of this this the most insane game you've ever seen played with this you know people relying on luck to not hit a tree and and it, and it is it's it's riveting because i mean you you can the camera's moving through the trees you're with each of these people and then when you see each of the or, you know the couple of them that do end up smacking into trees and just get taken down i mean it's you're really right there it's it's a it's done in a way that uh, I mean, the just everything about it really pulls you into it. There's no, like, big, bombastic film score. And, 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 you know, as much as I love film score, it's not so huge that it kind of takes you out of it. I mean, it really, as I recall, I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I feel like that particular scene, it really is kind of like you're hearing the footsteps and you're hearing um, the guy screaming, uh, you the know, breathing. follow me, follow me, yeah. the breathing the of compression all the different people.
0: of the breath is, is something and, that really sticks with
1: me. And the pounding. Yeah, it feels like it feels like there's a, a heavy air yes. like in that scene. Something yes. about it just feels heavy. And I feel like I'm I'm really in there. Like it just feels very visceral.
0: Yes. I, I absolutely agree and that is that's the the sort of the the low the, the pressure the humidity uh, be, and I think a lot of that is because of the way they play with texture the interiors and the exteriors you know I mean we we go from these uh, highly compressed spaces that are all dry cold concrete and we move to these like the casino itself the exterior of the casino itself is in this this sort of high desert scape it's this lone building in the middle of nowhere and there's a, a giant sort of ragged uh, kind of hillscape behind it but everything in front is just these these sort of desert dry desert plants these round everything's very round and mm-hmm. and uh and and uh you you get this it just it, it feels like you're just sort of rolling in to to where this place is and yet um you know then when we finally move to someplace green it's this it's the woods where they put these people in in such a um a they they give them such a horrible task to to do yeah. to put themselves to have to to force themselves uh to do something that will put them in such harm and to give them i mean they have all the control all they have to do is stop running and yet they are compelled to run for the competition's sake which i think is is fascinating so i i really like that i think your point about uh the story and the structural I- issues is you know that that rings true for me um as, as soon as I start thinking about the story, I think about how many times I've seen the film and still don't feel like I really get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we've talked about films like this in the past where the story itself is particularly fragile. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is, a, this is definitely a writer-director film because how would you possibly explain this? Right. To To, uh, you know, the, to somebody else to actually take the helm of it and, and do it. It's, it's just it's kind of a hot mess. And it's just a, this this concept of luck trading, I think, is is a difficult one to to show, to demonstrate um, and and not count on a whole lot of dialogue to get you yeah. through it.
1: He's really created kind of a, his own little modern fantasy world, right? I mean, that's really what it is. And and he co-wrote this with Andres M. Copel. Uh, I'm assuming that's how you uh, pronounce it. It's, um, but yeah, but uh, it's it's definitely it feels like you know a writer director film, like you said. It does feel like a story that he he came up with this concept and and put this story together, and it feels like. It, it feels like it's it, it, delicate I think is an interesting word for it like there's enough here to buy into this world but it feels like if they explored it too much farther to the left or the right um, it may have crumbled because there, you know maybe right. it, there wasn't cr- quite enough there but there's enough there. In the context of the film, so it's standing up on the on the this conceit of trading luck and stealing luck from people and stuff, and it all works because you buy into it. But then, yeah, you can't step too far out of that, or it's not going to work anymore. Yeah, but 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 it but I think it is a really interesting story, and I think in a way it creates this interesting story not just about luck, but also about love. Um, although I think that unfortunately I think that's one of the weaker uh, parts of the film the the story of Tomas, our our uh, bank robber who's our protagonist in this story and uh, and the lo- the love that he kind of left behind. I think that there's an interesting love story that uh, I think they could have found a way to build it a little stronger since when it comes time to the end of the film. It feels to me like love is uh, part of the reason that he is able to triumph in the end. I don't know if you read it that uh, way, but that's
0: how I kind of read it. Well, talk more about that, because I was seeing this sort of the, the parallel as you were describing the film up front. and We were talking about the the police officer and her mm-hmm. experience with love and luck and the, the sort of the, the inextricable tie between love and luck. Right. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I I was trying to find that parallel with his love story and the fact that um you know that he was saying, uh, you know, saying to her I don't love you anymore to keep her from getting on the plane because somehow he knew that the plane was going to crash and that he was going to live because he's so lucky. Like they they you know, I'm I'm absolutely reading into this now in hindsight, but um but but that's that's sort of the experience that I was I was getting and and I I think I agree with you maybe prematurely, that 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 was a an area of the film that was not fully exploited. Yeah, I mean, I don't know
1: if I saw it that way where he, he said, I don't love you anymore, in order to kind of have her stay behind. I, I was a little, and maybe that's why... But that's what I, she
0: said. I mean, that that was no, how right. she interpreted it.
1: Right, well, but I, I guess I, I don't think that it was developed strong enough where I fully understood His reasons for saying, I don't love you anymore. Does he really not love her anymore? Right. Um, Does he love her, but he could tell, he he knew something was going to happen. I was a little torn, or maybe he just, he wanted to protect her and didn't want her to get caught. Since yes, he was a bank robber. He's traveling with a large sum of money, of stolen money strapped to his body. I mean that's definitely, you know, it's probably not best to bring your girlfriend along when you're traveling that way. Right. Um so I mean that could have been the reason it's a little it's a little unclear and that's where I think it could have worked. They could have found a way to develop that a little stronger. But like you were saying comparing it to Sarah, the uh the police officer who's pursuing him, you know, she she latches onto that idea that that he uh saved the love of his life by saying, I don't love you anymore, she then has that moment where she's kind of dreaming of her of her dead husband. Yeah, and the, wish, it's almost like she wishes she had said, I don't love you anymore, when she's in the car. As you that see would, it play
0: out, that right, he would have pulled right,
1: over. Right, and then uh, of thereby avoiding the other car that they crash into. And so there's definitely a feeling of guilt and uh, this feeling, it's that nature of being the survivor in something in a horrible situation like that, and and feeling like you're you're not worthy to have survived.
0: I think they actually and... call that survivor's guilt. I think that's yeah, a thing.
1: That, you think that is actually? No, a I thing? think that's a real thing. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> here, here, I thought I was coming up with something genius. You should
0: write a book.
1: I'm gonna. I'm gonna... I can see your book being used <laughs> in therapy everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Finally, my big break. I have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's something that she latches onto this bank robber and I think that's why she becomes so fervent in her pursuit of him because it's not just that he is this bank robber and he ends up escaping from the hospital Uh, under mysterious circumstances. Um, And yes, I mean, as the police officer, I'm sure she does want to stop him. But at the same time, she does seem like she's driven by something more. And I think part of that is that this guy managed to survive a plane crash, the only survivor in this huge plane crash. Not only that, but also he told his girlfriend that he didn't love her anymore, thereby saving her life.
0: Right. And so that's the problem. That's that's sort of a problem I have with her character. Like she... um... I understand her curse. Her curse is that as she inadvertently stole the luck from her family, they were killed and she lived. And that, the message of that experience is this is the curse of luck, right? Luck, you know, good luck, bad luck is all an interpretation. Uh, He lived and his girlfriend lived, but he also now doesn't have a girlfriend and he was in a plane crash. Like, it was really not great, right? And caught. And (laughs) And caught. (laughs) Exactly. So, but, but she goes, on this she you know her just her drive uh is a little bit unpredictable for me like i'm just not sure i i i feel like maybe she was she was sort of uh, when i talk about kind of unexploited or underexploited uh areas uh in this film i felt like she was the most forgettable Uh, no
1: i yeah i agree i i feel like that well that's the thing is like i enjoy that element of the story with the love and the luck and the family and and saving people and not. And, and even at the end, how he's, you know, he's kind of fighting to win back the luck that basically was stolen, uh, you know, by Federico, uh, of the love of his life when he tore the picture and basically sold his girlfriend's luck from him. Um, the way that he's almost fighting to beat, sam samuel to get her back is because of love and i feel like somehow somehow the the way it all gets tied together i feel th- there's fault fault there you know some fault lines some cracks that are going to crumble and it's just it always feels like it's just not quite right yeah and maybe maybe it is partly because of the police officer and the way that she's tied into it yeah that really kind of uh just uh you know ties you know ties me up a little bit as i try to uh, you know, untangle it.
0: The, uh, it. It all builds to this uh, climactic final sequence uh, where it, it's this is the... Uh, ironically, it's the good, the bad, the ugly uh, right. kind of trio at the end of this. You know, we have some thugs in the corner, but really what we get is, uh, it, you know, we have um, this experience where Sam and Tomas are having their duel, uh, their inverse Russian roulette, it's it's uh, like deer hunter more yeah more. <laughs> you're right, it's right. E- except for it's the it, this is this is the you know roulette for the for the lucky where right. uh, it's not one bullet and f- and uh, you know five empty chambers or uh, you know right. it's it's uh, uh, five bullets five and bullets one and one chamber. empty chamber chamber and uh, and that's how these guys play uh, Russian roulette and it's uh, it's it's pretty grim and so we we see uh, that Max von Sydow or uh, Sam Beck's luck is is intact as the, the first shot, um, you know, does not, is the blank, here's the empty chamber. And mm-hmm. as he hands the gun over, uh, the detective bursts in and we have this little three-way kind of visual duel that it's, it is very quick. Um, mm-hmm. and somebody shuts out the lights. Right. And, you know, lots of gunfire. And we have this sort of visual play of the the f- muzzle flash which is you know which is good. Uh and at the end everybody's dead. You kind of you kind of guess when you come up who's going to be the lucky one because now we know what we've set up what he, what he set up through the film is that we have three incredibly lucky people right. in the room. And so who is going to be the lucky one? Um I don't I don't know how I feel about it. Well and that's
1: the nature of some of the problem of the film. Is it? It builds to kind of this moment where it's it's a little. I mean, I don't want to say predictable, but I mean it is. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I I like it. I I like I I it, despite its faults, I still like it. And uh, I don't know. I I I wish that they would have found another way to, uh, to to end all of that. And yeah, I think probably if they had not had the police officer in the story at all, I think there could have been a stronger story here. Um, But, you know, we have to look at the film for what it is. And unfortunately, I feel like it does build to kind of this moment that does feel a little bit um,
0: less interesting. It's like half a moment. Yeah. You know, it's it's fine. Yeah. It's fine for what it is. It leaves Federico in a in you know alone. Uh, he has been the handler of Tomas for for you know much of the second half of the film, and and uh, leaves him alone in this room of dead bodies. And Tomas is running across the desert uh, mm-hmm. alone. But he has won back the luck of his former love, right? Uh, and I I guess we're to assume because in this final duel. Uh, he was playing for the luck of Federico. Is that how you read that? Like they, the the pictures that they swapped, that they were that they were the stakes they were playing for was, the the girlfriend and Federico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does that mean for Federico?
1: Well, I think that whatever Federico had left, uh, would be would be gone. Remember how he was so um, ardently opposed. Yeah. Don't to, touch me. Uh, to being touched, to having yeah. his photo ever taken. I think that this was kind of that he finally had to just accept that he had to put himself up there. And basically whatever luck he had left, I mean, that's that's something I guess that I, I didn't quite understand either because I thought he kind of was didn't have much luck left anyway. I mean, he had, you know the, you know, Sam had come up and given him that great big bear hug in the elevator yeah. in the beginning of the film. So I kind of assumed that, you know, he already didn't have a lot of luck so I wasn't sure what was left with Federico, and yeah. maybe that's why I didn't understand that element of the end either. So, I don't know. This is, uh, well, I, you know, I don't but, know. But, you know, I, it's the first, it, this is the first feature-length film for Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, and, uh, you know, I, I've got to say, for a first film, despite these problems that he has, I, I love that he went out on a major limb to come up with a, a, an incredibly... Unique story that I hadn't seen before, with this whole idea of stealing luck from people, and found a way to tell a big story about that felt global. I mean, we have people from all over the world. Uh, you know, I mean the lead the lead, Thomas Leonardo Sparaglia is actually from Argentina, even though he plays it as as Spain. But you've got kind of this international cast. You've got people speaking English, French, Spanish.
0: You know, I I wanted to to ask you how that hits you because this was this really is. I mean, it's not just a a foreign language film, but in in many respects, uh, your interpretation of the film I think directly may relate to uh, which language you're coming at this film with as native. You know, I mean mm-hmm. this this is a it's not just a foreign film; it's a global film, yeah. Uh, and I think that makes it really unique in the category.
1: Uh, well, I, and it excites me, and I I think that's uh, for a first time filmmaker. I mean, first-time feature filmmaker. I, I think that it's incredibly ballsy to go out and say, I'm going to make this film that's kind of like a globetrotting sort of film where it, I, you, know, you have people from... It, it, it just gives it this context where you feel like this is a global thing, this whole idea of these luck contests. I mean, yeah. yes, we're focused on Spain, but I feel like they could easily have jumped on a plane and instead of going to uh, the island of Tenerife, in the Canary Islands to go to this casino, they equally could have gone up to France or over to Czechoslovakia and done the same thing. It's it's like, I feel like there's this thing going on all over the world that exactly. people are tapped into. And that's what I really love about, uh, you know, him as a first time filmmaker, putting that into his film and giving us this sense that, you know, yes, people from all over the world are tied up in this whole idea of luck. it, it there are no borders when it comes to luck. You can take luck from anyone, anywhere in the world.
0: I, I absolutely agree, and and I I feel like uh, uh, you know it's like a <laughs> this is this is what we do this armchairing thing, but but the what he did. Uh, it, it almost feels like at every major milestone, every major decision point, he took the harder option right At no point did he make this easy on himself right I exactly. want to take actors who all speak different native languages i want to take i want to put it in a place that is going to be challenging to shoot in. I want to make it about a subject that 's going to take people four times to watch, no matter what <laughs> language they speak, just to even feel like they get it. Right. Uh, and, and we're just going to roll the dice and kind of see where it, where it shakes out. And the result I think is an, it, it, it in spite of the places that I have a uh, challenge, uh, I find this to be an immensely satisfying viewing and the stuff that I am most challenged about, I forget almost immediately because I am so just entranced by the concept. Uh, like you said, it is, it is wholly original and I, um, I just I was surprised the first time I saw it, and I continue to be surprised by what he achieved and some of the visuals in this film. They're just great.
1: Yeah, yeah. I came at this film. Uh, it was just one of those films playing at the art house here in town, and I had never heard of it. Uh, my wife and I just decided to go see it one night. I knew nothing about it, and I walked out of the theater just having one of those epiphanies of this is this is a. A new and unique voice, and I had so much fun experiencing it and yes, even with its problems it's it's so satisfying i've seen it countless times now, and I just have so much fun watching it, even with those problems totally agree so.
0: uh did you were you able to find anything on the numbers in this film
1: um, i not a whole lot. I only found that um in the U.S., it's uh, domestically made uh, just under 400000 So I have a feeling that the international series is going to be a little thin on the numbers. Yeah. It's just not, you know, you don't get a lot of the international numbers posted on uh, through all the different uh, sites. So, alas, what are you going to do? Indeed.
0: Yeah. Uh, still fantastic uh, film and uh it's it's worth seeing do you have any other uh tidbits before we rank it oh yes Oh, yes, go of course I do. I know. So, okay, so so first of
1: all, um, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, uh, he is actually from Santa Cruz de Tenerife right. in the Canary Islands. He's he's from there, so I'm assuming that's how he got tapped in to actually film in the casino there. Um, coincidentally, the island of Tenerife also has, since 2007, they have an annual, the Tenerife International Film Music Festival, which one of these days I hope to go to. They play uh, lots of great film scores, and it's one of those things that I really want to go to one for the festival and two for the island. I think it would be a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> so. I think so too. It's, I thought you were going to break into song, you know, one for the festival, <laughs> two for the island. That's right. Three, three for the booze. There you go. Um, one
1: has, uh, he was, he, you know, he's an interesting film director in that he gets attached to a lots of uh, a lot of films that never happen. Um, The poor guy. He was attached to do the remake of Highlander. This was uh, a couple, uh like two years ago, he was attached to the remake of Highlander.
0: That fell through. He was attached what did, to the what did remake they say of... Why did they say that it fell through? Did it have anything to do uh, with the fact that there really can be only one? Oh, 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 what? Oh, oh, oh. Did I just drop some Highlander? Humor? You did. You it wasn't very guy. funny. It really wasn't.
1: Uh, He was attached to do the reboot of The Crow, and that fell through. Yeah, that one's cursed. (laughs) He was uh, attached, or he wasn't attached. He was on the short list of directors to do the uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I believe that they, who did they decide for that? Um, Was it Matt Reeves? I'm not sure if they've decided, but anyway. um, It's not him. He was attached to do a movie with Shia LaBeouf called *Villain*, which is a psychological thriller, and I think that that fell through. And now he is just just uh, a couple weeks ago, it's been announced that he is attached to reboot *Pet cemetery. Oh. So, yeah, so it's interesting. He keeps getting attached to all these reboots and remakes and sequels and things. None of them, uh, none of them happen. So I'd love to see him make something again. Uh, You know, I think he's got a great voice and a great style. Um, But, man, it's just, I don't know. Right now it seems like he's just cursed, getting attached to uh, remakes and reboots and sequels.
0: That's too bad because, you know, when you talk about sort of one of the, the, he just has a really unique uh, eye. And and I think mm-hmm. all of those films would be would be interesting kind of playgrounds for for him. Um, and it is uh, Matt Reeves on Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Okay, yeah, that's what um, I thought. It just looks like a very uh, like a pet cemetery. A cemetery. That's I find that intriguing, particularly we've been talking more and more about Stephen King. Right. Um, anyhow,
1: he actually came into the spotlight. Um... He'd been making short films since the, uh, I think, late 80s, but he came into the spotlight in 1996 with a short film that he did, a black and white short film called Esposados, uh, which he was nominated for an Academy Award for. And from that, and he got he won countless awards around uh, Spain and the world, and he became kind of a huge star from that, and that actually helped him get to a point where he was able to make Intacto. So um, you can watch, uh, it's it's a long, short film. It's like, I think, half hour, but we can post the link in the show notes to it so uh, people can check it out if they are interested in that. Absolutely. Um, Intacto went on to win uh, in the, the Spanish Academy Awards, which are the Goya Awards. Um, it, he went on, let's see, it was nominated for eight uh, awards, eight Goyas, Let's see best actor, Eusebio Poncella for uh, his role of Federico, best supporting actor, Antonio Dechent, which I thought was interesting. He's the uh, the bullfighter. He got nominated for best Supporting actor, and Leonardo Sparaglia won for best New actor, so they have an interesting you know the way that their car- their categories are lined up. So Leonardo <laughs> ended up winning for best actor or best new actor. Uh, for his role and then uh, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo won for best new director um it was nominated for best cinematography best art direction based by Cesar Macaron and best production supervision by José Luis Jiménez and best special effects by uh, a whole bunch of people I'm not going to read all their names <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was all the awards I feel like I'm forgetting one but um yeah. So it did really well for, you know, this uh first uh, first uh time feature filmmaker. And um you know, he he made a great looking film that is a, a lot of fun to watch. Uh the only other thing I wanted to say is just uh, you know, regarding my new uh passion for giant insects. <laughs> <laughs> We'll put in the show notes a couple links to uh sites where you can look at giant bugs and watch some videos of the <laughs> heteropteryx dilatata. Because really that's really what everyone who's listening to the show wants to go do right now.
0: <laughs> so that can be found over at the nextreel.com. Uh and just go go check it out. It it's the just you know, search for Intacto if it's not on the main page as you're listening to this. But uh that's horrible that you would do that to people, but
1: it's we can all
0: find out what Andy loves about his giant I... green brain-boring insects. <laughs> obsession, obsession. When they start, because they start doing this thing where they start putting the, the molasses on Tomas' head and, and yeah. saying, you know, oh, he loves the molasses. And then, you know, turns out the... it really does.
1: <laughs> the one thing about the, them is they do not actually glow in the dark they are not bioluminescent insects that is a fabrication in the film i was a little disappointed in that (laughs) (laughs) if i want a big bug i want it
0: to gloat (laughs) ken what can we do to genetically modify a giant bug right how can we mate it with a lightning bug (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, terrible terrible all right uh, okay that's it that's all i needed to say
0: hey uh, so I'm glad that was good. Shall we rank it? I want to. Head over to uh I don't even know where we're going to rank anymore. So we we do two rankings, right? We do this flick chart thing. If you head over to flickchart.com slash the next reel, you can find our uh our entire uh, golden list the top of uh, our rankings of films you can head over if you go to the nextreel.com you can see you, you in the extras link you'll take it'll take you straight to the golden list the top 100 but just our account you can friend us over there and and see all the films in ranked stack ranked order uh of of all the films that we've reviewed you can also head over to letterbox.com as andy mentioned earlier in the show slash the next real and you can see our star ratings of each of these show, uh, films that we have done so if you if, letterbox flick chart whatever your your uh, pleasure we're there that's right. Let's do it.
1: All right, Intacto or Inside Man? Inside Man. See, I feel like I would go Intacto because I mean, Inside Man is a really clever fun story, but I just there's something about the level of creativity in Tacto that always draws me back to it, and even though it has some issues, I love the whole idea of the luck gambling.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do too. But I also I felt like Inside Man showed me some things in the Con film that I had not seen before, um, and uh, Clive Owen. And Clive Owen, yes. Oh, oh what are I'm... we gonna do? How strongly do you feel about how clever those things are? You know,
1: I I could go either way. I'll go. I'll I'll bend on this one. <laughs> okay, good. All I'll right. Go to Inside now Man. Now I'm ready.
0: I'm ready. I'm, right. I'm kneeling a little bit. Intacto
1: or Miller's Crossing. Oh, you're totally going to go Miller's Crossing on this. Action. I'm totally going to go Intacto. What? I love Intacto. I Miller's was going to go Intacto. Yeah, we'll see. There you go. That makes it easy. Okay, good. That's good. Intacto or Midnight Run? That's oh, Intacto. I, gosh, <laughs> I love Midnight Run, but I will go Intacto too. It, it, there's something, it's just such a unique movie. I just can't get over it. Intacto or The Illusionist? I'll also do Intacto.
0: Uh, I'm going to be bothered yes. every
1: time I think about the Illusionist now, and Paul Giamatti laughing
0: at the end, like, "Oh, those silly guys got away with it." It's like, yeah, they got <laughs> away with killing the king. <laughs> you All know, right. I I <laughs> can't uh, I can't. It, it's the, the thing I can't stop thinking about is just how great uh, Paul Giamatti is in those. <laughs> who was it who came, was that Tom or uh, who came up with the uh, the acting classes for people with marbles in their mouths? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh I'm I'm going to go with Intacto on this one. All right, me too. Yeah.
1: Intacto or David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I'm going to go Intacto. Speaking of the world of foreign language films, I mean, I David Fincher is one of my all-time favorite directors, but if I'm going to watch The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I feel like I'm going to go back to the original version of it.
0: Is that crazy? I do too, and I feel guilty every time I think about that.
1: <laughs> I don't feel guilty. I feel, you know, as much as I love his version, I just feel like they shouldn't have done it. I feel like it, there's no need. There's yeah. just no need.
0: Well, okay. yeah, and I'm, I'm going to go and talk to him on this, too, on principle alone.
1: There you go. Intacto or The Sandlot? You oh. know, I love the Sandlot, but I still am going in, to go
0: Intacto. In yeah, Intacto.
1: Intacto or Moon?
0: I'm still going to go
1: Intacto. All right. <laughs> that was peat <Pete laughs> Bending. There we go. Just 62. go on. Just
0: move on, please. <laughs> 62 out of 121. So All it's right, yeah, right near the right, middle. Right in the middle. That's fine. That's, that's a good place for it it was a it's a good film with some problems that we just that we're able to look past because of its fantastic uh, other pieces giant bug it's a giant bug <laughs> where, do we, where do we go from here we're going to
1: uh move uh let's see we're going in not too far from spain we're just going uh across uh the border over to france we're going to go to the diving bell and the butterfly which is an interesting foreign language film because it's actually directed by an american
0: i hate this movie (laughs) you hate it because you love it it is uh it it is i'll just i'm gonna give away the punchline right now spoiler it is a terrific film that i never ever wanted to watch again
1: oh really yeah Oh God. I can't I think,
0: stand it. I, I, it's one of the most uncomfortable films I have I have ever had to watch because it's so visceral. Right, like my, really fits in there. It is, uh, you know. And I, I'll I'll probably tell this again next week. My wife, my wife is a speech language pathologist, and uh, you know, much of of this f- film is you know about the relationship with his speech language that pathologist is and the communication device. And I told her how horrible I felt like this film was. She's never seen it. And she'll, she'll be watching with me. And she said, you know what? You have nothing to worry about. If you ever have a stroke and get locked in syndrome, you know, if you ever have any problems with that, I'm totally never going to give up. Cause that's really fun for me. I'm like, <laughs> really, <laughs> really? <laughs> I have a stroke. I paralyzed. And I become your experiment as you sew my eyelids shut
1: it's <laughs> awesome that's love man that is love
0: <laughs>
1: oh, oh uh, good talk oh, oh my gosh as long as she doesn't want to like so you to other people that's I think that's a different movie that's a different movie
0: <laughs> that's more in your uh, your uh, bailiwick way. Uh, the hey. diving bell and the human. <laughs> <laughs> the diving bell and the saw. <laughs> oh. uh, I think that's it, right? Uh, I think that's it. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. I got to go to bed. Can you just, I I don't mean to sort of perseverate on this, but could you just give me a, give me a rundown of the, like, the key, uh, give me the, just the pros. (laughs) pros. (laughs) What it would be like to have, AJ, because I saw one of the YouTube videos on the list that you sent me was this, like, 14-year-old kid, and he was, like, having to crawl around on his arms. It's, like, the size of his forearm. They grow up
1: to about seven inches long, and, uh, the the females are beautiful green insects. I mean, they look like aliens. It, I guess that's why it's cool, because it doesn't look like a cute little puppy or a cuddly little kitty cat or a fluffy bunny, all of which are very cute. It looks like a, a crazy alien pet that you have, and that's why it's cool, because it's so weird and that's what draws me to it, I guess, <laughs> is the strangeness of it. And I know I'll never
0: be allowed to have one in the house. So you want to stick to that? Shagrin. You know, I, I need to talk about snakes then. As long as we're doing this, because I read this. Uh, I read this. I was researching for a while because my daughter came back, came home from school one day, and she said you, we need snakes. And I said that's ridiculous, but I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna research and just because I had to build <laughs> build my case. And it turns out it's quite easy to build a case for not having snakes, because. Uh, Apparently, and this is what I uncovered, uh, that the snake uh, is not a pet that ever develops an affinity relationship with you, like uh, cats and dogs and rats. And, you know, these are animals that will uh, build a trust relationship with you. And snakes, you start hearing these stories about how, you know, oh, gosh, that pet anaconda ate its owner because its owner was sleeping in the same bed with it. <laughs> and it, as it comes out, you know, these snakes actually always look at you as food. Right. And they never build an affinity. affinity really. When they're hungry, if you are sleeping in the same bed with it, you dummy, it's going to eat you. You are just another, like, yeah. sheep. You're in, just a great.
1: Big rat. <laughs> You're a giant
0: rat in the, and that's what happens. So I, that's that's how I sort of feel about uh, bugs. And all of those videos that you sent, they all lead to the same path. It's like this yellow brick road that all leads to. Oh my gosh, did you see the video about the guy whose like whose kid had a thing lay eggs in his skin? <laughs> and that's what insects do.
1: It's like that Werner Herzog documentary about the guy who. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally love the bears until the bear ate him. Until the bear ate him. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You are. I will love
1: them from afar. I think that's, that's all I
0: have. I think that's wise.
1: Don't take that away from me.
0: You'll always have the internet.
1: Oh, Heteropteryx dilatata.
0: I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022,